and welcome to Please Watch This, a film podcast where two film-loving mates with gaps in their viewing history recommend films to each other so they can once and for all answer the question, who has better taste? I'm Sam Blakely, as I usually am, and I'm joined, as I always am, by Hugh Dempsey. Hugh Dempsey, how are you? Hi Sam, you alright? Tip, well, I was going to say tip top, that was just me putting a brave face on things. Um, uh, yeah, but I'm alright, yeah. I'm good. Uh, we're also joined by returning guest, I think fifth time, possibly, something like that, uh, fan favourite, Ben Dawson. Ben Dawson, how are you? You know, surviving. <laughs> this is, yeah, <laughs> the most we can hope for in this this plague of ours. Um, so I'm I'm currently self-isolating, I've got a bit, I had a bit of a cough, bit of sore throat, so you might hear less than impeccable vocal clarity from me this week, which is unusual. Uh, Hugh and Ben, are you uh, showing any symptoms there? Can't say I am. Nah, perfectly fine. I wash my hands, you see. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Although I am... (laughs) I am worried that work. I mean, a few few people are going, self-isolating. The guy who sits opposite me (laughs) didn't come in today. (laughs) The one who makes all the tea and, uh, yeah, coughs openly. Yeah, another one. They've moved us around, spaced us out, but I don't think it's. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> that is purely cosmetic. It I does feel yeah. like some people are like, oh, if I just pretend I've got symptoms, I can have like a week or two off work. Yeah, I mean, because no, nobody's going to ask questions if you're like, um, should I come into the office and uh, infect everybody? Or mm. how um, is your nan? I hear she's not been too well recently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, just yeah. said nothing. I'm fine. You, you don't worry Absolutely. about me. <laughs> yeah, but I, but I feel like our listeners they come to us for the uh, to avoid coronavirus chat. It is it is impossible to so. avoid but we'll spend two minutes on it which we've just done and we'll uh, let's take a break let's move on from that yeah so yeah. Uh, in other news you know I can't get to the cinema now because for some other reason they're closed all of them <laughs> um, them I actually went I actually went to the cinema last weekend yeah. the last time for a while I think what did you see I think I, I thought I thought there'd be no no one there but it was full <laughs> I reckon you went to see Invisible Man it's a great guest, Sam, and you'd be right. Yes. See, I'd been meaning to go watch it, and then I just couldn't find the evening to do it, and then they closed. Is it good? Should I watch it? You're our horror guy, horror thriller guy. First half's really good. Second half's pretty good, but it goes it goes downhill. But yeah, I'd, I'd definitely recommend it. It's part of, I, I knew I wanted to watch it because it was directed by the guy who did a film called uh, Upgrade. Oh yeah, I don't know that. And one. That's, inc- that's a really good film. Re- I'd recommend that. Really good. Is that sort of horror thrillery? Sort of, yeah, sci-fi, horror, thrillery. Right. Really good. Really, really good. I'll, uh, I'll check Look that out. It up. What would you say is the best sci-fi, horror, thrillery film? Off the top of your head like that, what's the one that comes to mind? The Thing. The Thing. Yeah, I think that's pretty much, that's the answer, isn't it? The Hugh, of course, hasn't seen The Thing yet. Terminator. Yeah. yeah. Sci-fi. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah, Terminator 2. Thing. I really I think like... Ho- um, sci-fi horror, I think Terminator 1's better than Terminator 2 for the horror element of that film. I think, mm. and also Alien. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, is, it's, it's a broad, is, is it's it a broad palette. Terminator, it? in terms of its horror and its scare, I prefer value. the first Alien to the first Terminator. I think. Yeah. Um, first Terminator is a bit too eighties, although the Alien's quite eighties. So, hmm. don't know what I'm on about. Um, time Crimes is very good. That's very good. I put that into that mold, sort of black comedy. I don't know. I don't know if it would be a horror kind. Maybe, mm. maybe it is a horror. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I only saw it once about eight years ago or whatever. So, let's watch it again and, and find out. Speaking of films, I only watched once about eight years ago. Um, this week we're talking about Blue Ruin. 
And we've got Ben on for that purpose because I think I'm right in saying, Ben, that you were the one who showed me this film or at least put it on my laptop or something like that. Uh, I probably did. Ago. Yeah, I think that's right. I think yeah. you put a series of of your usual um, usual taste of obscure films that I should see that are interesting <laughs> and not, not linked to a big studio. I, I just I just like spreading the joy. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's, it's better that than... As long as it's joy rather than... <laughs> 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 And I think that it really fits into this category of, you know, in fact, it's very similar to Place Beyond the Pines, which is higher budget, bigger stars, but kind of this kind of film. And when people ask me what what genre of film are like, I find it really hard to say because actually I prefer like this. I don't know how you'd categorize it in many ways. Just like interesting films that don't have to be a genre. So it's probably indie, really. Yeah, that's maybe. Yeah, indie film. So Sam, why do you like this film? Well, I'll tell you. I'll first of all give a little synopsis because it's not—it's not the most um, well-known film that we've reviewed. In fact, I'll, I'll pass this over to Ben. Ben, how would you summarise the goings-on in this film? And uh, we are fully spoilerific, listener. Yep. So, spoiler alerts. If anyone's listening to this who hasn't listened mm-hmm. to seen this film, uh, it's an obscure film, but we are going to have to spoil it just because that's our show. <laughs> right. Well. Uh... First of all, it really it's 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 a revenge film. Like I think that's how I think that's why I heard about it first because I do I do love a I do love a good revenge. You'd watch Take you'd watch Taken three and went. Do you know what? I'm in the mood for some well. revenge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a fan of the Taken films, but <laughs> yeah, I love a, I love a good revenge thriller. <laughs> oh yes, there's a few. So yeah, so yeah, so I mean, it pretty much it, it starts with uh, like a homeless guy. Really, you see him wandering around. The beach and, bum. Beach bombers, yeah, is probably how you describe him. Um, and then you, you you get taken in by the cops and learns that someone's getting out of prison. And then you realise that, oh, this guy must have done something pretty bad. And this guy sets off to get his revenge and then he gets his revenge and that's the first 20 minutes of the film. <laughs> <laughs> and then basically the rest of the film, it's really like following what happens after that because you're following a guy who hasn't planned what he's going to do He's definitely um, not Brian Mills, <laughs> is he? <laughs> if we're going to use that as a no. touchstone, he's a man who definitely doesn't have a plan beyond getting no. some form of revenge. He's a man who stitches up his own leg and it doesn't work out. <laughs> he passes out exactly. and has to go to the hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay. So yeah, so it, it kind of really just, um, it's kind of a different angle to like a normal revenge thriller where it really just follows on what the 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 basically you know the outcome of what what he's done mm. it's like the consequences uh, of revenge is what the rest of this exactly, film yeah. is after the first act is how i would describe it and and uh, i think a lot of people have have kind of um compared it to some coen brothers films like um like fargo actually and and like no country for all men in the sense of things getting a little bit out of hand man out of his depth uh has to deal with a whole lot of fuckery and uh, <laughs> just has to try to keep keeping his head above the water really and yeah, he's, he's getting revenge, but then he has to sort out the collateral damage of that and that and that, and then his sister's in danger and, and so on. Um, ben, do you want to start us off on why you like this film so much? Well, uh, I think I read one review that described it as a deliciously unpredictable. Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, 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 seriously, you're watching this thinking, well, I, I have no idea where this is going to go or how, what he's going to do. <laughs> and, um I also I love the tone of the film. I think it's like it's it's really like lean. It's kind of, it's kind of, kind of like a quiet, intense film. Mm, that's good. Um, 
I think I know you mentioned No Country for Old Men, and I think it re- uh, to me when I was watching it, I definitely thought it's similar, really similar in tone. There's a like, it, there's a really good sorry to cut in there. There's a really good interview. Uh, Jeremy Solnier, who wrote, directed, and cinematographed, photographed this film. Uh, he's in an interview with the star. Um, and Jeff Goldsmith, who does a great podcast called Q and A with Jeff Goldsmith, and they said that the the touchstone was no country for old men, but with a dipshit. That's great. I mean, no, it, it it follows no country for old men in like its visual storytelling. Mm. Like it's really, it really is a, like a show don't tell film. Like there's minimal dialogue, and it's really it's really economical with like its scenes. Like it. You, even like on the first twenty minutes, you just you you really build up a good sense of the character, and you kind of you can, it kind of makes you care about him really what what he's doing and what's going to happen. Mm. Like I think the actor Macon Macon Blair, yeah. he's the school friends or the, uh, childhood friends with uh, the director. That's right. Um, which I think he's been in quite a lot of his films. Uh, to be fair, yeah. Well, he's he's only had I think four features now. He was in the first two, mm. yeah. So this one and. Um, mm. Murder Party, which I haven't seen actually. But yeah, I would like to see that. It's a yeah. horror comedy. So th- yeah, I mean, this is the first film I saw of uh, of Jeremy Solnier, which is a great name. It is great name. His most famous and it, and it, film brilliant. would say is Green Room, isn't it? Green Room. Antoine so he went on from this to the Green right. Room and then Hold the Dark. And yeah, he's a fascinating character. I mentioned him in a couple of other episodes as well. When he talks about filmmaking, he's he's so unconventional. He's so kind of out of the studio system. And this film, mm. he. Um, he just it was credit cards his wife's re- re- right. retirement plan they sold the house um and then he, they did a kickstarter for another 40 grand and it was it was really a case of well you know this could be their swan song they were fully prepared for it to fail and then he'd, he'd take up just a, a jobbing cinematographer uh job in you know in, in advertising and so on and and then with green room i think he got five million for that um wow and that again he wanted just out of the studio system and all that, he didn't want that sort of influence. He's a he's a punk, you know. He, he grew up being literally mm. like a, a punk, you know, uh, in a band, scream punk. Song. So in Green Room, it's about sort of white supremacists at, at Nazi at a punk concert, and that's yeah. a lot more kind of his his background. Really, really fascinating. So, some, if you ever get a chance to listen to why it, why would you rec- why would you recommend this film? Oh no, what do you like about this film? Sorry, rather what. Then why would you There's a few big ones. So um, Ben's kind of hinted at it there. Just we talk a lot about show don't tell yeah. and having an expository dialogue, and there's so little dialogue, and it's all so finely tuned. And you know, and, and in a just an everyday studio ham, this could be just so by the numbers. Um, and again, in, in an interview, he's given. I loved to hear him talk about how somebody said he should start the film. So what what's happened is the character, his parents have been murdered um, and the guy who went to prison for that, he's getting out of prison. And somebody said, oh, you should start the film with his parents being murdered. But he said, well, I didn't want you to just support the character from the start and want him to kill the killers. I want you to find out who this guy is. And there really is this so little dialogue for a lot of the film, particularly in the first kind of half an hour. Um, there's so little. In fact, is that a credit to, to the film? Sister. Just whilst, yeah, yeah, because it achieves, it manages to tell you enough um, without needing it. And what was really great uh, was um, Jeremy Solnier would take notes from his collaborators and people that, that he, he trusted on the script, and 
and they said well I've got loads of questions like why this how did that happen and he said well what do you think what would be your guess and he said they mm. would always guess it right and that's when he knew that he had just enough information because you don't really need to know anything like you don't need to know what you don't even need to know why they were killed although you do hear that and you know you kind of figure out you get you get it just visual sensibilities and good use of the camera and so many things that I can't even understand how they manage it because um, you can see that oh, yeah, it's incredibly well made yeah he's a he's a homeless man and he's and he's got a big shaggy beard and so on but you can tell he's a not a sophisticated man but he's not he's not a drug addict for example that you know they talked about mm. should we give him an alcohol problem was like no no he drinks tea um but he mm. reads a book there by candlelight in, in his car on the beach and you go well this is obviously a man who's broken but he's not he's yeah he's got a real vulnerable vulnerability about him yeah. that makes it i think makes you really like you know can care about him in a way or care about what's hap- what happens yeah to him. he's like it's like if charles boyle from brooklyn 99 was a was in a revenge <laughs> fantasy and, and on the revenge thing I, I love a revenge tale my favorite novel of all time is the stars tennis balls by stephen fry and it's a modern retelling of count of monte cristo count of monte cristo is about a thousand pages long and it's about him getting falsely imprisoned and then taking his revenge he gets out of prison on like page 200 and the last 800 pages are him getting revenge and it's kind of <laughs> kind of it's kind of similar in the, in the Stephen Fry kind of retelling modern day retelling but there's the revenge is is delicious um and, that is a good book yeah you, you recommended that to me enjoyed it. podcast please read this <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah about... that. I'll, I'll let it <laughs> The one thing about a revenge tale, so character need is a big thing uh, in screenwriting, and um, a lot of books tell you that the character need has to be something primal. It can't be mm. something abstract that the reader, that the watcher or listener, uh, viewer can't relate to. It's got to be something primal, and revenge is something so primal. But it's also a really interesting character need because it's deeply unsatisfying. You know, it's not wanting money to yeah. buy a thing. It's wanting to get revenge knowing all the way that it's not going to bring the person back so it's just a really good motivation for a character is revenge and and it and it plays around with it and he's not it's not liam neeson you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well i think yeah i mean this it's definitely got the the common themes in this film of like violence leads to more violence yeah. and but it's really presented in a different way that makes you you know it's unpredictable really you don't know what's going to happen i I, I think you mentioned it as well sam that the kickstarter fund and the the financing for it i i mean i didn't know until i started looking into it but this film cost four hundred and twenty thousand dollars to make well i think i'm right in saying it was less than that so the i think i'm right in saying it was only like one hundred and sixty thousand dollars um I might. This is where some of the wires get really? crossed, and I don't know if that also includes promotion and so on as well. But basically, it's very, oh, wow. cheap, very cheaply made. I mean, to me, I just can't even comprehend how they made it for that. It looks incredible, it's like, short, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, he's talking in an interview as well about uh, lenses and how he just had to get one, like on a yeah. big set, you'd get four, and you spend fifty grand on them, but he got one for like you know. 20 grand or something like that uh, and, it, and in a way yeah. in a way it looks better than Green Room which was made like, yeah. Yeah. that like could have been a, million that could have been a choice of, by the director for Green Room I don't know but just guessing he might well, have just gone well if mm. I, I want to have it look this way and that'll mm, yeah. make it yeah. give it its own I, I aesthetic the extra the extra budget is because he had 
better known actors in there as well, including Patrick Stewart, mm-hmm. who uh, he, he sort of didn't want and then he couldn't believe that he was getting him and then he was there playing a Nazi. Have you seen Green Room, Hugh? No, I haven't. Right, that, that could be a future episode, I think. Yeah, because it's one of those that I wasn't too sure about at the time when it came out, but I, the fact that I keep hearing it since it's come out means it might be worth a watch and I think we should do it on right, the podcast esp- Especially, we will find out soon, actually, especially if you like this, then I think you definitely would like Green Room. Okay, so it, yeah. next question for you both, and you can take it in whichever order you want to go, whoever wants to ask, answer it first. Why do you think I would like this film? Me, personally, now that you both... Well, obviously, Ben, as you've got to know me. Let's uh, Yeah, Ben, you tell <laughs> me, why do you think I'd like it? So, um, I think you might probably... There's two things that I think. You might get frustrated by the character... Uh, his ineptitude, um, and also well, you think that's something I would like. His ineptitude. No, I think oh, something yeah, you'd like. Why would I'm sorry, I like I thought, it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. Why would you yeah, like? Why would you recommend it, it to right, me? Right, sorry, yeah. Essentially, sorry, I was jumping ahead there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so why, why? I think you'd like it, Hugh, because I think it's it's uh, it's a different style style of storytelling. Really, I mean, I think uh, yeah. I mean, let's say. Uh, I'm not sure if you like revenge thrillers or not, but yeah, I think you, I think it's the tone of the film really stands out, and I, I think you're, you're quite big on, on on the tone of a film. Mm-hmm. Um, you like a, a film that knows what it is and how how it presents. So yeah, I think that's probably the main reason why you'd like okay, it. Okay, and Sam, same question. Yeah, I, I agree with what Ben said, and I think it is so well shot that I, I think you would appreciate that. I think there's a danger kind of sidestepping here into why you might not like it. Go ahead. Um, in that I know that you were very underwhelmed by Place Beyond the Pines, and there are a lot of similarities. There's even almost an identical tracking shot over a car going through the sort of wooded uh, roads, and it came out around about the same time. Or it would have been shot around about possibly... Uh, it was a year after Place Beyond the Pines came out, anyway. Um, Do you know, it's I interesting think... that you mentioned that shot, because I was like, oh, that's a drone shot, and then it bumps yeah. along with the road, and then you're like, oh, no, it's not. And that's nice, because now all those shots nowadays, because it's just easier, tend to be drone shots, where you can tell yeah. this is yeah, on yeah. a truck or something. So this is, yeah. Yeah, and I like, I like the undulation. Like, like maybe from uh, Good Will Hunting, they have that. Yes. Uh, well, while Elliot Smith is playing over the top. I, think... I wonder if Place Beyond the Pines was maybe a homage of that. Yeah, I think that might be a crane shot as well. Maybe the, yeah, it was ninety seven, wasn't it? So might, it but it could, but it's quite smooth that one, so it's probably on a gimbal that keeps it yeah, smooth. Where this isn't as smooth. But yeah, no, sorry, it feels, I, like, it feels like a prediction. Train of thought there. I think also one thing is that uh, as much as you you do like complex films, I think you you would prefer kind of bread and butter revenge um, film with a more kind of competent avenger. You know, kind of. Like that scene in Commando where he goes into that room and just covers himself <laughs> in grenades and <laughs> all this stuff, That's rather than you know passing out while he's trying Commando. to trying to claw an arrowhead out of his femoral artery. Oh, I saw a clip of that the other day for the first time in about gosh, must be fifteen years, and it's just him mowing people down. It's hilarious. I love Commando. It's, it's so film. bad. Such a great film. It's so bad at like they've all got the reactions of pensioners <laughs> to this hulking great. <laughs> Big bloke with big is it machine that film guns? where he yeah where he knocks the guy into the the pipe and says cool uh, what is it let off some steam or yeah something. let off some let steam, off some steam. Bennett. <laughs> Bennett, that's right. yeah what a film. he's the greatest bad guy like he does not yeah. he does why, not why look like an that, action like, bad guy that mesh chainmail top, yeah. chainmail thing like uh, like Mac going out at the <laughs> he's just some Aussie <laughs> drunk Aussie guy. <laughs> yeah. 
Because he's not physically imposing with another. He's really shit. No, he's not, is he? He's a, he's like, this guy's the villain. going into a fight with Arnie. I, Good luck, mate. I think he was a last minute replacement, I'm pretty sure he was. Adolf Lundgren. <laughs> was Danny DeVito not available? <laughs> Anyway, so um, Ben, you kind of started saying earlier why you did think I might not like this film. What? So mm. you said, yeah. So <laughs> yourself just for my benefit. Yeah, so I think you might be frustrated by the character a bit, maybe. And also, I was going to say the, the, the it just kind of slowed down. There is a kind of slow pace to it, which especially towards the last scene where he goes to the house and you there's a few sh- there's a few there's quite a lot of shots of him um, just you know, <laughs> in the house waiting for them to come back. It's I think amazing you might, that, because yeah. it's like, do you know that bit in um, Arrested, no, in Arrested Development when he's like, have you not <laughs> yeah. seen the news? And they put on the telly and he's like, uh, and, and then they've got to wait 15 minutes. Like, okay. And imagine the impact if that had a turn on, ju- <laughs> that story had been on just when I turned on the telly. Oh, same with Albed in that TV show you might have heard of called Community. Uh, wait, wait, what's... The horror story. Sorry, there's a sorry. film, there's a, sorry, there's, there's, a, a TV there's a TV show you might have heard of, but it's called... Who's um, in it? Uh, it's called Community. Oh, right. Is it good? I think it's Dolph Lundgren <laughs> and Danny DeVito. I think it's them too. Yeah, really Why is Arnie not? Yeah, it? A... Was he not available? <laughs> uh, no. It, well, it's not standing for Danny DeVito when he's you know doing stunts. Yeah. Um, they fell out after twins, didn't they? That's what you're trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Community, Arbed. Same joke anyway, basically. You know, they, you wouldn't turn the radio on and then the pertinent story is immediately on. So yeah, he gets yeah. to their cabin to you know wreak havoc and seek revenge and kill them all but he's got to wait there for two fucking days <laughs> he falls asleep twice yeah. <laughs> so yeah you think that might be slowing it down a bit the sort of tonally fair enough yeah you know, okay so. but anyway yeah let's so after the we're gonna have a little break now where i can uh, cough and um afterwards we'll hear hugh's views Welcome back to Please Watch This. We're now ready for Hugh's views. Uh, as always, we're going to find out first what Hugh liked about the film. Hugh, what did you like about the film? So I was going to start, actually, by... I wanted to just go through and talk, actually, about good revenge films. It's like, oh, So yeah. we mentioned yeah. a couple earlier. We Obviously, we spoke about Taken. Now, imagine a world, right, where Taken 1 was made and they never made another one again. How how much do you think people would genuinely like that film without the the terribleness <laughs> I'd of the sequels? Like it more. <laughs> yeah, because that film, the premise of that film is really good, isn't it? It's a guy who was in the CIA. His daughter gets abducted. He goes on a killing rampage of low life scum underbags who, you know, these practices have been known to happen. And you're kind of like, yeah, go Brian Mills. And then he decided they decided to make a sequel where his daughter throws grenade live grenades into the fucking population <laughs> of Istanbul. <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to get that off my chest. Just really hate that scene. It's like uh, it's like the same Deadpool where he goes, you know, after three films, it's you've got to think it's just bad parenting, haven't you? You know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult to get more out of, and I think that's what I really like about this film actually is that it's parents. It's not his wife and kid, right? Which would have been a you know the the more trite way of doing it. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, Hugh. Back to Hugh. So yeah. So I. No, no, it's fine. Um, don't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, as I said. So like uh, another good re- like think of good revenge films. Uh, Kill Bill, obviously stylistic. Um, you know, rip roaring. Rev- you know, 
what was it, a rip-roaring ride of revenge, I think it was described as, uh, back in, what was it, 2002 or something. Um, like yeah, Great what fun. else? You know, Jaws 2, I'm sure the shark in that had a reason to hit <laughs> the, the people. It's Jaws 4, Jaws 4, the revenge. Right? Exactly, Jaws 4 is the revenge. That's it. Um, what other films like, are famous as revenge? The Net Commander. Commando, yeah, yeah. I think I taken mentioned before uh, taken. There was mentioned sorry? Harry Kiri. I know we probably <laughs> taken as Japanese. Yeah, that's a that's a Famous that's film. a revenge. Yeah, especially Lady Snowblood, which Kill Bill rips off. That's a good revenge film. Really, as well. right? Well, mm. and there's a lot of things like Punisher and those yeah, things. Punishers, you know, right? Making up for oh, they killed my wife or whatever. Yeah. Mm. So, oh, there's a great one. There's a great one. Uh, before you go, Rolling Thunder. That's a that's a great film. Never heard. Of it. Is that a revenge film? That is a great revenge film from the seventies. With mm. um, uh, yeah, what's his name? I can't remember his name now. But um, yeah, look that up. It's a great film. Demolition Man's a revenge All film. Right. Mm. In its way, <laughs> I'll tell you another one actually that uh, similar in tone to this that came out. I think it's on Netflix called Bad Day for the Cut. Uh, a northern a film from Northern Ireland. That's a that's a good little revenge film similar to this. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, so the point I'm trying to... Unforgiven, I think that's a revenge film, isn't it? That's a brilliant film. It is a good film. Um, old Boy. Old Boy, old yes. Boy. Is, that's Gladiator. We could be here all day. Yes. <laughs> and that's kind of my point. Mm. There's too many. It's John Wick. John... Yeah, how could we forget? You know, <laughs> I, I would do the same if someone killed my dog. Quite frankly, <laughs> yeah. Um, if I had the training, so yeah, you know, then there's four of them. Lord knows. Um, yeah, John Wick's going in the way of like Fast and Furious, isn't it? It was like it was, yeah, exactly. It was just a bit of pulpy fun, and now it's like this juggernaut film franchise that he's going to be yeah. flying over rooftops soon, like literally <laughs> in cars on endless runways. Somehow, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Imagine that—a runway full of buildings. <laughs> That's the length of Europe, <laughs> and John Wick's just flying above them for dramatic effect with guns shooting. There's an image for you both. Um, so yeah, so the revenge genre, even by 2010, it's been done, and I've been trying to figure out the 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 name of this film's Blue Ruin. Now it's set, isn't it, in like that East Coast? part of America in, what is it, Delaware, Virginia. Um, I think it's in another, they're in another state at one point, was, which name forgets me. So is blue, is it like a reference to bluegrass? Because that's kind of, like you said, it's very similar to Place Beyond the Pines. It uses the aesthetic quality of its location to and mm. to quite brilliant effect, quite honestly. It's certain, um, certainly blue in tone, isn't it, in the cinematography? Yeah, there is. I mean, as soon as you put it in the name of a film, you're just looking for it everywhere, aren't you? Mm. Um, I, think um, I think really it's the, it's his car that, um, that yeah. he's living in at the start. Yeah, that would make That's sense. That's it, the blue car, yeah. The, yeah the, they said they had a spreadsheet with about 60 different names. Right. And uh, I forget actually all the, all the rest of the ones that they suggested, but as soon as they hit upon Blue Ruin, I don't think it had a, a rich history that they were tapping no. into. It's not, you know, anything like that. Right, so there's no like rich history of like these kind of mid-Atlantic sort of backwater revenge films. Oh, so just certainly the, t- the name Blue Room. Yeah, you know that. right. Yeah, okay. I mean, you're right, but I think revenge is sort of a. It's almost a 
uh, genre, isn't it? Exactly. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah it, is, it does seem like it's a genre. And But you wouldn't watch a horror film saying, well, you know, I've seen lots of horror films that mm. are done. True, that is true. But there's a mm. film, was it with Christian Bale, that came out in about, was it 2008? I can't remember the name of it, where he goes on some sort of revenge trip in that. Um, so it just feels Christian like... Christian Bale. Yeah, I can't remember the name of the film. Um, he's going around with a gun in a town. I think it's about revenge. I've not seen it. Out of the Furnace, sorry, 2013. Out of the Furnace. So, yeah, so that's another, and it's got a very similar look to the film. You that's, know. I don't think that's a revenge film, is it, Out of the Furnace? When Rodney Blaze mysteriously disappears and law enforcement right. doesn't follow through fast enough, right. his older brother, Russell, takes yeah, matters into his own hands to find justice. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's more kind of a social commentary. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so there's been, so there's a lot of revenge films, and I think you both hit the nail on the head. He gets revenge in the first twenty minutes, of you know, it, 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 and that was what made this film a cut above other revenge films, because mm. oh, good. because right, you're sitting there as an audience member and you go. Right, well, you've learned who this person is. Like you said, he goes around, he's dumpster diving, he's living on the beach, he's breaking into people's houses to clean himself. And he then finally makes his way, after about 15 minutes, to where they're having this party for the man who allegedly, or as the character thinks, who killed his parents. And what happens is, he basically, as you know, he confronts him in the bathroom and he stabs him in the head to death. And then he basically mm. goes to see his sister, who, and that, and then the film kind of unfolds from there. And I think that's to its credit, by quite a large degree. Um, again, that's that subversion of the expectation as an audience that you have is why you go and watch film, essentially, mm. because you need that because you've seen all those revenge films already. You know, you you've seen, you know, you've seen Kill Bill, you've seen. You know, a joke, but uh, the demolition man. <laughs> Why is that the first one that comes away? <laughs> you know, you've seen Unforgiven. <laughs> so, you know, and it, like Sam, you said earlier, didn't you, that a revenge film needs to be, it has to be a primal motivation. There has to be mm. a, a reason for why a character would do something. And yeah, so I, I really like that. The other thing I quite like about this film is it builds tension like you were jo- we were joking earlier you know it's something you don't usually see is the the killer waiting for two days i mean there's one shot where he's ha- he's made like this little fort for himself inside their house yeah. and yeah. the furniture. lights on an automatic timer and the light pops mm. on and he he's half he's on he's like half asleep and he yeah. jumps up and realizes oh crap you know shit's about to go down essentially do you know during during one of those uh, scene basically where he's there um i was watching it last night and um i was drinking out of a plastic bottle and just while that was on it popped you know sometimes air could just like the the side pops uh, it expands a bit and it shut my pants it was just like <laughs> it was it was like oh wow that, that has created tension it's always terrifying <laughs> that was a very that effective happens, isn't it yeah, oh, it's yeah, incre- yeah. yeah, it's incredibly tense film, isn't it? There's mm. so many scenes. Especially because you don't always know his intentions. So mm. when, when he's waiting at his sister's house and they're turning up, I'm thinking, is he try- does he want to kill them? What does he want to do? Is he just trying to sneak out and get the car? So when he starts to do things, you think, is this planned? Is it not planned? What you know? What's, to what extent is this going, going to plan? Mm. Yeah. Uh, what else I like is the cinematography. To say mm. this was filmed on such a small budget with one lens, you would never know. I mean that's that is really a credit to the the director who was also the uh, cinematographer on this film. Uh, that's 
Yeah, it's impressive. I've got to say, and he uses it's incredible. Yeah. yeah, and he uses his environment to his to his advantage, and he sets his shots up in such a way that, like you like you said, Ben, it, this film really is a film of show don't tell, and I think it gets that spot on for what it is. On the other hand, though, as good as I like, as good as this film is, and you two have made an excellent case for it, and you've. Even you've actually made me think that more of this film than on first viewing. Um, I don't think this is anything you wouldn't find in a soap opera. Does, does that make sense? If I was going to be critical, a soap opera. Yeah, I. So, so most films would finish with them getting revenge, and maybe maybe the last ten minutes of it being about the consequences of that revenge. It, it, there's a melodrama to this that yes it is life and death and that's no denying that's always dramatic and I like like I said I like the way the, the director and the, has built his tension in this film but I just don't think it's anything you wouldn't see outside of I de- I, I, EastEnders I, I disagree with with, uh, with melodrama <laughs> I think it's the opposite of melodrama in a way yeah because that's that that suggests like Over shouting, the top. screaming at yeah. each other, you slag. This is a lot more quiet and more in, intense. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's got its intensity. It's got its it's got its quietness, and it does feel more realistic. But when I say when I say melodrama, I mean it feels more. The storyline isn't anything out for a film. It right. might seem unusual, but for out you you could you've seen this story. You might not have seen it recently. You might not have even seen it in the last ten years, but it doesn't feel original to me. And I, I did like it. And I, I, I sound like I'm contradicting myself. I liked it subverting my expectation because I don't think I could have watched an hour and a half of a man trying and missing or coming close to killing a man that he was trying to get revenge or him, like say, killing his brother first and then killing him, and you know it being like a mystery of who actually. Ki- killed his parents I like the fact that that's a bit of a mystery for a bit and then you really find out who kills him plot twist it's his the father that killed the parents and that the brothers mm. served time for it it's because the father had cancer and um, it was his third strike and it meant he would have gone away to prison and he would have died in prison so the the son took right. the, the hit <laughs> in prison but yeah. so you're looking for a more complex story really I think is what I'm getting. No, 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 it doesn't even have to be more complex. I just don't see the origi- I just don't see anything original here. I think it looks I'm, amazing. I'm stunned. What uh, what is not original? Like like you said sort of subverting expectations. It's not it's like It's like place beyond the pines you said it yourself. Government. It's it that's a melod- that's a drama of about a family interactions. This is what this film ultimately comes down to. It's the sins it's of the real, father, yeah. isn't it? So would you? So I, I mean, I, I described it as unpredict, deliciously unpredictable. Did you not? Did you sit there knowing all the way through what what was going what was going to happen? No, I can't say I did. But I ultimately knew that it was going to resolve itself in a stand quite a standard way. Well, did it? Yeah. What the the boy who comes in turns out to be the father's his his father's son. Oh or yeah, something it, like that. he just turned out yeah. to be his half brother. I mean, I think it's again, definitely got a common theme, hasn't it? Of like, it's all about like violence leads to violence, which is common throughout most revenge films, really. Yeah, yeah. That he he started something in motion that is not going to end without them all dying. But yeah, I'm, I, I don't I don't know where to start. I don't know what to say. <laughs> Yeah. Because it's not, you know, it's not like 
you know, we talked about Commando and it's not like an... Uh, oh, like Taken. What, is that going to end with his daughter being killed and it's actually just really morose ending and he goes off and kills himself? Like, that, you know, it's not going to end like that, is it? It's going to end with him getting his daughter back and killing the bad guys. Yeah. Um, it's not that kind of film, really. No, it's not that kind of film. And it does... But um, it does it, it... And it does know what it is. But... Is it original? Can, can you think of a can you think of a revenge film that is like this? Um, Given that we've talked about twenty of them, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because a lot of them are, are bigger budgets, don't they? And this, like you said, well, its budget is one of its limiting factors. It's an independent film, so it looks well. So, but it's but uh, hang on. So the problem is that it's not original enough, but you can't think of another one like it. <laughs> no, I can't. Not off the top of my head <laughs> in this moment in time. What would have made it better? <sighs> I just could have done without another are revenge you, you film, did. to be honest. <laughs> so yeah. it would have been better if it was. <laughs> it was no, it's because it's a genre that's... <laughs> Should we watch Wedding Crashes instead? <laughs> no, don't be facetious. It's not a revenge film. <laughs> well, I've got to be facetious. What, because I don't agree with your two opinions, so you're being no, facetious? No, because it's a bullshit opinion. I've a bullshit got. opinion. <laughs> Opinion. Opinion can't be Ben, help me out here. I can't. I don't know. <laughs> I, I I don't understand. Well, like, because Sam, but... you look at it, it goes. Sorry, Ben. It goes through like three stages. It goes through. Oh, it's a murder mystery. Talk. What, it's got three acts. No, but <laughs> as in it, it doesn't. But it didn't nail itself down to what it is either, did it? You're thinking. Oh, so it's a revenge film. Oh, he's got revenge. Oh, maybe it's like Straw Dogs kind of film where he's he's hunkered in and he's and he's. Um, trying to survive the night of these vengeful um, this vengeful family and then no it's not that oh well he's taken one of them captive oh so it's a torture film and he's oh no that guy's been shot that's not a torture film oh no it's back to being a revenge film and him trying to settle this score and it just keeps diverting which way it's going and that's predict unpredictability you said Ben was a strength of it I, also, I thought it was a weakness now right I think it is a good I think film, this is what I meant by, but I don't yeah, think it's... I think you'd, you'd prefer more like of a bread and butter, Oops. you know, revenge tale where he's got this one mission, he's going to go and fill it, fulfil it in 90 minutes, kill a bunch of bad guys and credits. So you were looking for a more, a more conventional plot then? Maybe. I was just... I just felt like it It was... It, I don't know, it's hard to vocalise. I just wanted it to be something else yeah probably did want it to be more yeah. traditional and well. but you were saying earlier Ben that um, you know his incompetency and you might get annoyed at that that was actually some of its charm because right. you knew when he went to get the uh, phone from um, one of the from Teddy that Teddy was going to jump him I mean it was written all over his face yeah. you know and you cause, so but then I was like oh well He's in this situation now. All well, his friends going to come save him. You know that was evident. It was predictable. I think you've got to cut it a lot of slack for basically, you know, how <laughs> the budget and the fact that it's an indie film. And I think, I think, I think what you can say is that it's actually, you know, pretty incredible. You can give it its dues for what it is. Based for what on- it is, it's it's good, but for its budget, it looks like a true high tier indie film you know these indie films that get you know a few million dollars thrown at them you know mm. but oh, yeah. Yeah, do yeah. I think it's, it's better it's than Play but I've got a but it's but it's it's aim it's aim is ambitious and is it as good as Place Beyond the Pines no no it's not 
that's another, that's like what indie films have we watched on this show that are kind of a similar tone we've watched yeah those two they, those two probably um, stick out in my mind I mean probably the other closest is There Will Be Blood but much higher budget yeah yeah it's not as good as that but just kind of like atmospheric Boogie uh, Nights is that a bit human... that's a low budget uh, yeah, but it's not... It's 12 million, it's I think. Yeah. But it's, it's, it doesn't have that sort of um, no. artsy, uh, you know, indie... It's, it's quite style. similar to Drive. Yeah. It's got a Drive quality to it as well, maybe without yeah. the soundtrack. Yeah. 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 I, look, I, I sound like I'm being awful about a low-budget film, but at the same time, it's a piece of media and it's got to be assessed on its own merits and what it wants to I'm just wondering if I mean are there indie films that you like that are like this yeah like Drive are there is there Drive not classed as an indie yeah I suppose that would be in this kind of ballpark yeah Yeah, Drive's I'd say Drive's a pretty like that's a it's a revenge film yeah to a point isn't it I suppose it's more of a it's got a more conventional story as well Drive hasn't it like you know he meets the girl he uh and then obviously you know you, you know he's going to sacrifice himself at the end for savor or something. So is that yeah. is that what you prefer more to drive than, than this? Maybe I don't know. I think well, what I'm trying to say is it feels like something out of a soap opera rather than out of a a um, out of a big budget. Not a big budget. Out of it feels like a soap opera. The storyline it, itself, it specifically the plot line of yeah, because it, it twists and, and turns so and goes in all these different directions, which. My, you might see it as a credit to the film I see it as a minus and I see that as we're being kind of you know it's like that magician's trick of here's the amazing cinematography you know here's somebody brooding and being broody and you know not really competent because we can all we can all buy into that you know if somebody's incompetent we, you know it's kind of we, you can feel like you're in that situation you know it's like how would I react which again is a positive to the film, I think, because this guy is so bad <laughs> and he's so useless yeah. um, that you're like, you know, I would probably be just this shit in this situation, quite frankly, if this happened to me. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love the fact that he goes to slash the tyre and he ends up cutting yeah. his, his palm in half. Yeah, and he loses and then, his keys. And then he and... needs to take that car and all that sort of stuff. He yeah. steals a gun and it's got a lock on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then and then he's just got to throw it away in the bin. Like he doesn't, he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, because that's just it's just it's quite realistic. I think Very, you know, for, yeah. for as much as it's as much as it's like this otherworldly idea of revenge and murder and so on, it's done in a really realistic way. He's not because like when they come to the house to his sister's house, he doesn't always carry the the. the pitchfork around with him the garden fork around with him and he doesn't try to like he could totally jump out and get them I mean the one that really exemplifies it is when he's shot in the leg with the arrow and he just kicks the shotgun away and puts the guy in the car and drives away when in any any other film he would pick up the shotgun and he'd at least have that with him and then that would be a big part of it you know and all this sort of stuff it's just messy I Mm. quite like the messiness of it it's not not conventional it's not neat like these are the three acts and these are what this these are the this is the mission and he does that mission. It's just like he's reacting to things, mm. which I think is probably what you mean there, Hugh. By it's it's this, then it's that, then it's this, then it's that. I think he's oh yeah yeah just, definitely. You know, it's not a clear mission that he's that he then has these steps. It doesn't to hit beats. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just messy and, and and full of dirt. I can see how that could be frustrating. Yeah, watching something like that. I just I was yeah. just trying to find an original idea, and I think whilst these indie films that have a beautiful cinematography and minimal dialogue and they build atmosphere 
how is it any different to drive or how is it any different to uh, place beyond the pines or uh, there's a, there was a lot of films like this that came out in that period and I don't think it's Do you up think there it, with the rest of it. If it was made, if it was sort of slicker and if he was a more conventional <laughs> hero, we probably wouldn't call it an indie film, even if it was made independently of a studio on a small budget. Mm. It, it being an indie film means it has those sensibilities, so it might be unfair to say how is it different from these other films in this genre because it's basically that genre and it is different really it is different to those films but all indi- indie films are essentially different from one another aren't they that's they, they, their their aim is to be different otherwise they wouldn't get made they're dramas yeah. that have a unique look on something but there are levels of these kind of brooding crime drama indies and whilst <laughs> I looked. I watched the trailer for it a few months back after it got mentioned on the podcast, and the trailer made it look better than the film was in general. Mm. Um, I, th- I think that's generally a mistake, isn't it? Watching the yeah. trailer for it because it's it's not going to be the, the it's not going to capture the film. I was disappointed that his sister wasn't in it more as well. But anyway, let's get on. I think it's a good. This makes a good. Yeah, let's get into some favourite scenes and lines. Did you have a favourite scene, Hugh? Well, I was going to let Ben, as he is the guest, go first. That makes sense. Um, Well, I mean, I really like the the first murder scene when he he goes to kill kill him. I mean, it's just so incredibly tense. You you have no idea what's going to happen. He's just (laughs) not planned it at all. I think that's probably probably my favourite. And then he kind of watched it. Watched it with Nick, and there was an audible gasp when yeah. he sticks the knife in his temple. Like, yeah. You know, oh, when he see when he sees when he sees him in the win- in the mirror, and you're like, oh Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you're just thinking, this is a, a very odd looking, scary man just there yeah. in the in the you know in a stall. <laughs> it's like yeah. what a weird thing that would be to see in the mirror. Like it feels like when he walks in, and you can see them just just ahead and you're like for god's sake get behind something like yeah <laughs> you can, yeah, like, yeah yeah it feels like you're watching like reality in a way just walking in. And, and in that scene really it really highlights especially on the low budget how good the visual effects are mm. um you know the blood oh the, it looks the, incredible the violence but you know and similarly when, when so the, visceral um, yeah that's the word isn't it visceral and it's it's shocking i think mm. on netflix mm. it's called um uh, injury detail or violent yeah, right. gore, and, gore so and injury detail. And I, uh, yeah. I looked out for some some opinions on on social media and uh, Frankie Fraser um, at Frankie underscore Fraser. Um, it said it's very very quiet and tells a lot without having to say anything. A lot of the visuals are perfect, and this was the key one really. The special effects are top draw. Can't say anything bad about it either. And acting is quality. And and it was when it, when I saw that tweet, it was the first um, time I'd really thought about yeah. this film has visual effects. The blood doesn't look cartoonish, you know. It, yeah. it is really excellent. I think he definitely effects. ups his game in green room as well. I mean, that's got some even more harrowing <laughs> injuries. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's where part of the budget comes from. There's yeah. more of it, you know. It, it, again, in the interview for this, he did say that it was budgetary restraints that meant sometimes wow. he, he didn't kill as many people as he would have done yeah. <laughs> or whatever, you know. I think ca- really well carrying on from that as well, the scene where he drives off. Um, I think I read that they would pulled over by the police while filming that <laughs> <laughs> covered in blood covered in blood and, and he said they, so they just let him off with a warning so they just carried on <laughs> That's great. Was, um, but, yeah. was the ending for you too satisfying um well satisfying in a film sense but not satisfying because revenge isn't satisfying and he is gonna yeah. die and 
it's not going to be like oh he gets the girl sort of thing. I think I liked how I think it was right. I like how they ended it with the postcard being delivered. It's kind of a dark. Kind oh, of that was comic. nice. Yeah. yeah, that was good. But yeah, but yeah, like you but say, yeah, Sam, it's never going to be fully satisfying. No, it fits the film, I think. Mm. But it it leaves you empty as it should. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I also love I love the scenes, just the way they were shot that you were mentioning earlier with the car driving. I thought in the fog, um, just before he's yeah. going to it, I thought this really like ups the get like ups the film is it <laughs> not just like a low budget indie film but it, i mean it reminded me of the sh- shots of shining as well mm, and behind yeah, the car like dra- the, yeah yeah, yeah i thought they were incredible yeah it does when you've got just captures an atmosphere when you've got mm. beautiful locations though and in, in yeah beautifully yeah. foliaged part of the world then yeah you're gonna get these incredible atmospherics aren't you mm. yeah yeah i think that's and, and speaking of the credit uh, speaking of the ending as well uh, in terms of the ending, Callum Robinson on, on Facebook said that. Um, so a lot when I asked for people's opinions, a lot of people basically said they liked this and they the liked Green Room more or less. They were always saying this and Green Room, always comparing it. Mm. Um, and Callum Robinson said, "I love it in Green Room, but they give me very different feelings." Blue Ruin left me feeling much more somber by the end, and I think it is a very somber, you know, contemplative mood that you end up. It's in. a more realistic look at violence and revenge, isn't it? It's. This yeah. guy had a clearly he was had a very traumatic experience losing his parents, and it, you know, he didn't, he hasn't, you know, a lot of leading characters in situations like this tend to, they the burning rage inside, but they're keeping everything together. But this man's life went to shit. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. like you said, yeah, he yeah. is a man who's homeless and living out of dumpsters, and you know, having to get into people's houses just to take a bath and you know like you said he's he's yeah. benign but he's he's clearly not in you know he's not 100 percent himself anymore and you can see yeah. that this has mm. had a severe effect and, and that it, it really does that in just like the first 10 minutes like it really shows just really well just to get that across like yeah and yeah and then and then sort of underscored by his conversation with his sister kind of like yeah. oh i saw you a couple of summers ago and why didn't you come over? Well, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I wasn't looking my best. <laughs> it's like the years have gone by with this what? in his mind. Yeah, how old did you him. think he was? Because it was kind of hard to pin down his age. I put him mm. at like maybe mid to late thirties. Oh, early. Th- uh, sorry, mid to that. early to mid thirties. Sorry. It is interesting, and I think that's about right. And in fact, Macon Blair was I think thirty five, thirty six right. when they when they shot yeah, it. Yeah, that's what I thought. But yeah, it's hard to tell when he's got that big beard. Yeah, yeah. and then when somebody gets rid of beard and hair, they look really fresh faced, don't they? Right. <laughs> All of a sudden, <laughs> suddenly ten years younger. Yeah. What about you, Sam? What was your favourite scene then? My favourite scenes were the ones with his friend Ben Gaffney, um, mm. Buzz from Home Alone, uh, all grown up. And uh, did you spot that? Bob? No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's Buzz. I, I recommended uh, it to a friend, and he was just like, "I love it. It's got Buzz from Home Alone." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really love those scenes because when um, when they were casting the Office, the original UK version, Gareth was supposed to be like that, you know, like somebody who was actually in the Territorial Army and was actually into guns and so on. And so when Mackenzie Crook showed up with his bird-like features and stuff, they went, that makes so much more sense for that character to be this weedy thing. And I quite liked <laughs> that he was... He's kind of like... Yeah, he's one of those people who have a, a black belt in karate. He's a bit like Dwight <laughs> Schrute, yeah. actually, in the American office. Um, but actually does know his guns and pulls through, you know, and he, and he is quite competent with all that sort of stuff. And he's a really sort of... 
big brother figure uh, to Dwight. It's uh, called Dwight, isn't it? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I really liked their scenes and, you know, him sort of saying, well, you know, you don't tell him, you know, you do, the, the less I know, the better, really. And he's talking to his guns. And I quite like Dwight's just like, I don't want to impose whatever's not special to you, your cheapest thing, you know, and all this. I really like that scene. I think he was a friend of, uh, he was a friend of the director as well, a childhood friend. Um, right. Okay. And I think he asked him a lot of questions. I think you mentioned it earlier, Sam. Where he got his opinions on, from the actors, and he was because he own, he does own guns in real life, and he was he was asking him like you know about the morality of owning guns and that. Oh sort right, of that's correct. Put it across in the film. Yeah, that's really good, and it was captured really well. Um, how about you, Hugh? Favorite scene? Um, I really like the part where he confronts him um, when he opens the boot of the car up and he's trying to oh, find yeah. out if he was after yeah. like I do like his motivation for taking him and he's like were you here for me or are you here for my sister that was yeah and the guy's kind of he kind of goes well I was here for you <laughs> um, but you just <laughs> there was almost a disingenuous to him wasn't there because you're like was he really because you feel like they would hurt other people so I kind of yeah, yeah yeah and that yeah. seems and it really showed how green Dwight is just yeah. trusting him to Oh yeah, I'll come over to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just turn your head. Yeah, out. yeah. I was a bit, I was a bit disappointed actually how that scene ended. It's incredible because, like you said, you see it's visceral and yeah. I was like, well, you kind of sat there going, listen, now we're in. He's probably going to survive. So his friend who has all these guns and knows everything about guns is probably going to. I didn't know if he was going to kill that the him out. First right. shot missed. And I love that the first shot missed, and you're like, "Well, he's definitely going to get shot." But the the violence and the way it snaps his neck, yeah, uh, as well, and turns his head to the side is so effective. And he says, "Well, that's what bullets do to people." What? Yeah, <laughs> that's what bullets do. Yeah, yeah. his head. I like yeah. it how he's like, yeah. "I had to wait to make it legal on my part, anyway." <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, he's a, I like. The man's got to have a curd. I think. Yeah. He, well, what? No, it was like there was a legal, probably a latch. It's not even a code. I bet it was like a legal requirement if you're shooting somebody on, on your property or something. There, there would have had to been like a threat of violence or something. So yeah, he's a very regimented sort of. But, he's the sort of person who would be in the territorial army rather than the uh, actual army. I think. Yeah, yeah, I thought he was in the army, like generally. I thought that was uh, his character. I actually thought he was in the army and then came out. Yeah, I think I got that. Yeah, from it, but and I, I don't think you didn't really go into much detail, does it? What is it? No, the National Guard, I think they call it in America, don't they? Not the That's TA. right, yeah. Yeah. But, and this, this is nice into favourite lines, actually, because he gave the favorite, my favourite line because he says, hey man, I know this is personal, that's how you'll fail. No speeches, no talking, you point the gun, you shoot the gun. And then it's giving a speech at the end that actually kills Dwight, you know, he, he should have just shot them. But he's gave a speech and it let William get around and, and shoot with a shotgun exactly. so I think for the for the kind of the how concise and how well written the line was I really liked that but I also liked the yeah. actually it was foreshadowing I like yeah. it's interesting that that's your favourite line from that scene because mine is um, that's how it works man the one with the gun gets to tell the truth that is great <laughs> yeah that is great that's, that, that's a great line that's what I like about this film is there's like you said there's very little dialogue but what dialogue you do get is so imbued and so packed full of meaning, and yeah. that's meaning and and um, significance. When he's at the he's at the diner with his sister, and she's saying, "Oh, there's money still left in the thing," you know that car. We should put the thing. We should put it in your name. There's another key at mine, mm. and that becomes pertinent later on. Mm. Like, everything is so tightly done. Mm. What about mm. you, Ben? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 the one Sam mentioned, I, I love that. I, I didn't think of that one that you, you, you mentioned to you, but yeah, that's that's a great one. Well, do you know why I like it? It's because it extrapolates out 
because it's yeah. it's not well it's not the one the one with the truth is the most powerful isn't it ultimately mm. it, it doesn't just it's not just individuals it it scales well, it's up like, yeah the women scales up to nations right, like history don't they so yeah but um yeah and the, the, there's also one from from Benny as well where he says that you know he shot him and that's what bullets do or something <laughs> that's, that's a good mm, one but yeah. I, I also like i mean i, I didn't re- it's not more about the line it's more about the situation when he's driving away after he's killed um killed the guy and he's which he one is the that first banging. one or the second the, yeah the, the, the first one Wade, yeah yeah, yeah and uh then he lets out uh he lets out William. the kid and uh, he's like, uh, he killed my fa- he killed my, f- my parents. And then the- he just says, I don't think he did, and runs off. And then runs away. And yeah. I-, I just think, that to me, that was when he, because he-, he didn't kill him, like, and that's when he made, yeah. he was like, hold on a minute. I- I- <laughs> like, it's even, even more unpredictable what's going to happen. Yeah. Like. Well, that's it, because it's the revenge thing that's yeah. ended so soon. He's already killed him, and then. He's got revenge okay, on the wrong guy. Of a little, yeah, a little bit more complication here. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, favorite lines, favorite scenes. I just fantastic. thought it really, yeah, changed it. Good. Well, what we're going to do after the break is we're going to listen to the critics' responses. We're going to hear Ben and Hugh's ratings, and we're going to have a little quiz. So join us after the break for all them things. Hello and welcome back. So uh, we are now going to look at some ratings. We'll start with the. Which we start the critics? I think we'll start with critics. Yeah. Okay. What would you say, Hugh, would be the Metacritic score for this film? I don't know. You never know with films like this. They, it's really tricky, they're, either, they're in the indie darlings and every critic from here to Sundance loved it or they they don't see it for what it is. Do you know what I mean? Or it actually got rejected it. by Sundance, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. That was what I was reading. Uh, I was. Re- I love the line where he says he's, he you got rejected by Sundance and then he submitted it to Cannes for shits and giggles, <laughs> but ended yeah. up getting accepted. And they won all kinds of awards at different um, festivals. Yeah. What was the film that you wanted me to watch that's got Ray Otter in? And... Oh, Killing Them Softly. Yeah, yeah, it's got a very oh, yeah. similar. I, I know that's more urban aesthetic. Mm. Andrew again, Dominic, I've... he's a good director. Uh, so yeah. I really like that film. And is it the there's um, Gone Baby Gone by um, Ben Affleck as well? Oh, I haven't seen that. There's a lot of films from around this period that all look very similar. I think they're very, even though there's a, like there's a vibrancy in their color palette. There's there's also like a lot of washout as well. Yeah, they're quite clean in a way, aren't they? Like, yeah, I think it's that switch from from film to digital. digital. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it's in. It's in people wanting to make these tense taut thrillers which you know people always want and I think maybe that this one was is maybe not the greatest example of that um, you've not seen Gone Baby Gone I'm going to get you to watch that I think you'll like that yeah I'm up for that I'm game yeah. for that so um, uh, to answer my question um, I was, well I was going to answer I think <laughs> I think it's probably got 77 pretty far off um, 78% oh. Twice that's happened now. <laughs> I know, pretty good. I was, was going to say seventy nine, and then I went, no, no, we'll go with seventy seven. <laughs> so seventy nine was too high. So yeah, it reflects that there are a lot of very positives and and some less so. But I think Rotten Tomatoes was about ninety six percent. You know, it was uh, really high. Is that audience score? Uh, critic score. 
critics score because that was that audience a, a different score. metric i'm not sure about audience score i think um overall the average rating was about eight eight out of ten which is almost exactly the same as metacritic it made some critics top 10 list as well for the for the year which was great uh chase whale in twitch film it was his number one film of the year and a few you know a, a lot like that so let's have a look at uh, a really positive review from um so I'm not, I'm not going to be able to pronounce this surname. It's uh, Polish, I think, but it's Susan Loschisna uh, on RogerEbert.com. We obviously love seventy nine percent, by the way, for Rotten Tomato. Seventy nine for the audience. Yeah, right, nineteen thousand okay. five hundred sixty four yeah. users. Basically, the same so, as Metacritic as well. Actually, so we're we're looking yeah. at you know high review, high then. sevens. Um, so uh, on RogerEbert.com, Susan something gave it three point five out of four stars. Um, lots of nice things to say about That's it. That's high. Yeah, really high. It's uh, yeah, it's like more than three quarters. Um, so she said the bloody fingerprints of Tarantino and the Coen brothers, among other violence prone auteurs, are smeared all over this tidy and tautly told blue ruin. Um, lots of really nice things about it. It says uh, uh, um, something we mentioned actually. There's no righteous Liam Neeson like Avenger with nimble weaponry skills and cool fighting prowess to root for in Blue Ruin. Nor is there a borderline psycho on a self righteous warpath who is easily vilified in the end. Um, and it's just an overall very positive review. I've got a negative review from David Edelstein in Vulture. Gave it fifty percent. Um, this is the yeah. This is the. The real one, he says, I expect I expect more than low-genre crap from a filmmaker as obviously sophisticated as Solnier. Um, Blue Ruin is more artful and evocative than any recent revenge picture, but it's still drivel. Ooh. And I think that probably chimes with some of the things he, you were saying, Hugh. Yeah, definitely. I don't think it's drivel. I don't rate it as... Right, let's get to the ratings, Sam. So proper. Okay. So, <laughs> it's very yeah. And, and, yeah, that I think review. that makes sense. So, how many... Um, Hidden Tech Nines out of ten, would you give it to you? <laughs> Mac ten. It's not Mac ten, Cartman. <laughs> um so I would give this. I'm a gonna seven. guess seven, yeah. Damn it. He said it before I guess. Yeah, seven I would have thought you'd say. Yeah. I think that's exactly I don't think what you it's... gave it for Place Beyond the Pines. Yes. Actually, do you know what? I think I'd revise Place Beyond the Pines up now. Mm, right. Okay. Because I think that's because after seeing this, it makes the that film look better. Right, okay. And I think, you know, we talk about often on this, let a film, you know, gestate in your mind for a few weeks or months, and then you forget all the rubbish. (laughs) (laughs) And then you remember the good stuff. Although with Police Beyond the Pines, I still do think it's a little bit like good-looking people doing stuff and being criminal. And, yeah. (laughs) Like 90% of films. Yeah, yeah. It's just like you, the, the, you, I like the fact that the guy, the, the star of this, is just an average-looking dude. Yeah, you know, no, no offense, mate. <laughs> you know, sure you're lovely, but you know, he's actually a di- director as well. You know, uh, Make on Blair. Mm, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, a, he's, he's done maker, a film yeah. on Netflix. It's a kind of a strange What's film. It's 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 called. Um, I don't. Oh, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna mess this up. <laughs> uh, I don't feel. I don't belong in. I don't feel I belong in this world anymore. Or something like that. Oh, did he do that right. one? Yeah. That's interesting. It's quite good. I, I haven't seen it yet, but... So you said it's on Netflix? Yeah, yeah. We'll be checking that out. Uh, ben, how many tech, How many hidden tech nines would you give this out of 10? Well, I was going to give it 8, but I think I'm going to go to 8.5, because mm. it's not... I think I, I'm definitely get, marking it up for for its for how much it costs and how good it is based on that. Mm. Um, I don't. It's not quite a 9... But yeah, I don't think it's quite as low as an eight. So yeah, eight point five. <laughs> See, I've I've gone for eight. I've gone for nine because I because I think 
in terms of yeah. what it is, I think it does yeah. it just so well. And you're right, you're also taking into consideration, you know, it's completely indie. It's just basically mm. one guy's vision and he's, he's put it all in there uh, on no money and he's risked everything for it. Um, and I, I just, it was just really effective. And yeah. often, often uh, my partner Nick will sit with me to watch the film that I'm going to watch and often she'll leave after 10 minutes. And this one watched it all the way through and we talked about it for an hour afterwards. And I thought, you know, that was a good sign, I thought. Um, what was Nick's takeaway from it? Uh, yeah, sim- similar to mine, really. I kind of asked her for some of her thoughts and she really liked the tension um, and she really liked how he was quite inept and incompetent. Um yeah. But she never she never listens to the show, so I'd have to be that nice about her. But uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she, had a, she had a good opinion on it. I was kind of thinking whether I preferred this or Green Room. I don't, mm. I don't know. I'm, not, I'm still not sure. Maybe Green Room just tops it for me. It's interesting. I I think I prefer this, but I also yeah. need to watch Green Room again. Maybe we'll do that in a in a in a future episode soon. Yeah, I'd like, I would like to see Green Room after watching this because yeah. you can. Obviously, I didn't know about, but the, the, you know, it's half of the reason we do this is I didn't know about the budgetary constraints to the film, so I'm judging it based on what was put on screen. Yeah, which is fair enough. Yeah. And and I think giving it extra credit because it was done on a budget, whilst sincere motivation, it's ultimately up to the director and the pe- and him or her to to finance their vision, right? Or to get somebody who will finance it. Or to have a producer who finds a director that people will invest in and finance, and it's harsh and it's not it's not a fair system, but it is the system as it stands today. And I'd recommend not a lot you can do about it. I'd recommend watching Murder Parties first film. That's the thing that's on Netflix. You can definitely see a diff a big difference in this and Murder Party. You can see how that is a, a lower budget. I mean, I think it costs half of what this cost. Yeah, Christ. it's still it's still good. It's still good. It's it's a real it's a good film. But yeah, you can what's def- the what's the premise of it? <laughs> no, it's what's a, the premise it's a, of Murder Party where there's a bunch of murders. Uh, it's oh, a horror comedy. It? Ah, right. Okay, I've still I haven't seen it actually, but that's that's uh, yeah. So Ben, what is that about? It really. Yeah, there's a lot of running around, being chased. I mean, it's it, it it's it's definitely. I think it's all about really the characters. Mm. It's 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 completely different to Blue Ruin. More a lot more comedy. It's yeah. worth a watch if you're into that Is sort it funny? of thing. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I mean, I think. Go on. Sorry. It's. I wouldn't say it's hilarious. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I think I. I'll be honest. I do hold drama to a higher standard than I probably do comedy because right. I think comedy. If it's funny, it's it's done its job. Where drama, it has to tick a lot of difficult boxes. It means that drama and... must be so much more difficult to make because mm. comedy people are laughing, you know. But drama, you're like, well, they're not crying, but maybe they're feeling something shift in their being. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Have to be a lot That's... more subtle. Yeah. Should we get to the quiz? Yes. To the quiz. So as we always do. Ben being the expert speaker guest, he uh, goes oh, second Jesus. on this. Hugh is the newly initiated to the uh, to the film, so I'll ask Hugh. If he gets it wrong or doesn't know, I'll go to Ben. Um, so question one, very tricky question this actually, if you've only seen it once. What is the first line in the film? <laughs> no idea. Or oh, do you know cranky. when it occurs? I'll, I'll give you that. If you just know roughly who says it, what scene, when it occurs. First proper line. 
is the police officer. I couldn't make out what she was saying. That's right. Because it's through the glass. And That's right. You I, in fact, actually, I remember hearing it and I couldn't understand a word she was saying. I was, I was almost tempted to rewind and put the subtitles on it's to hear what she said. It's the watching everything on subtitles. But you're absolutely, you're, I'll give you the point because you know, you know who said I it. I have a notion. Do you know what the, what, did what she, she say? said? Ben? Do you know no. what she said? Oh, Ben. Yeah, oh, Ben's turn. I can't. Uh, yeah, it's a tough one, that is. Um, no, I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't guess, really. Yeah, she says it's Officer Eddie. She says her name. Ah. But no, that's good. I'll, I'll give you the point for that, Hugh. Well, um, I had... And I was like, <laughs> well, if it was important, she'd re- they re- I would, it would become apparent and I'd yeah. have to rewind anyway. Now, this second question, um, it's ambiguous as to what the right answer is. So I've got... A, a, <laughs> the answer is five times longer than the question. Uh, so I just want to know what um, what you think. It's a two-part question. It's two, sort of two parts. So firstly, in what year... Were his parents killed, and how long has Weird spent in prison? So it was nineteen ninety three. Mm-hmm. Well spotted. And uh, it was about was it fifteen years? That's not right. But you're right with nineteen ninety three. <sighs> ben, what do you? Damn, mean? I couldn't remember. I don't. I don't know the answer. Um, I so think it's maybe more than fifteen years. Maybe twenty five. So this is this is the ambiguity. So as I say, it can't be twenty five years. No, no, that's too long. That is made in twenty thirteen. Yeah, true. That's a bad guess. (laughs) I think. Is there a continuity error here? Well, I well maybe there isn't continuity. It's hard to tell. So, right, you're right. Nineteen ninety three is when he goes in, (laughs) and I use the subtitles so it picks up everything, even the things you can't quite hear. When um, Dwight is waiting in the bathroom stall and they're talking, and he says. Let me just have a piss. I've not had a piss on my own for ten years, suggesting he's been uh, for ten years, which would sort of fit the continuity. He doesn't, you know, Dwight doesn't look kind of. They don't all seem old enough. To, like twenty years would be a long time for him to be a beach bum without him being oh, way yeah, more definitely. broken, way more, you know, haggard. But when you look online, let's say at Wikipedia synopsis, it says he's been in prison for twenty years. Um, and yeah, I, double murder. I, yeah, exactly. Ten years is a very short amount of time. And I was looking for clues, really, in the film. Could this be set in 2003? Or is it definitely 2013? And it's not really clear, I don't think. Is there a, The phone, for example, that they're using, that's not 2013 phone, is it? No, it's not, actually. That's more yeah, than that's a fair point. So I'm, yeah. I'm, very, there was a, I'm mildly confident that he's, he went in 93 mm. and he came out in 2003 and got the police. The TV in his sister's living room is like an old tube television. Oh, yeah, that's right. As well, CRT I noticed thing. that. So I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, right. I'm, I'm relatively confident that he's set in 03 and he got yeah. out after 10 years because it's a plea bargain. That's why it's such a short sentence. Um, so, yeah, it's it, and this is the one of the downsides to being less exposition because it's not like we don't, we don't see a news report uh, with all the information we need or something like that. Uh, question three, and you've already said this actually, you got it right when you said it. In what state is Dwight living at the start of the film and where does his sister live? Um, is it Delaware that he's staying in? That's right. And That's right. Does he, and what was it, and the second part was his, where does he go? Yeah, where does his uh, sister live? I think live? His, sister, his sister lives in Virginia, doesn't she? That's what the answer I've got, but I've just had a thought. The, he buys the map, but that's before he goes to kill Wade, isn't it? Yeah. So is that in Virginia? Because he's a, he sends the postcard before he goes over the bridge, and that says Virginia on it, doesn't it? That yeah. So, so is I'm it Kentucky? She and he lives. In, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm not good enough for that. I really should have figured this out. Because he asks, I, uh, doesn't he? Teddy <laughs> goes, "Have you ever been to Kentucky?" Um, so maybe it's like some sort of weird 
maybe he sends the car. You know, Virginia's a relatively big place. Do you know what I mean? It might have taken him a few hours to drive from one side to the other. Maybe they're on the border. I'm not overly secure with my geographical knowledge of that It would make area. sense that, the, that Wade's family lives in the same state as... Dwight's family I mean and that she would stay yeah. there and she got a letter through with the restraining order so let's just say you got they got you got that right yeah I'll give yeah. you that. sounds All good the to me yeah. question four when Dwight realises there's a security camera at the gun shop or the shop where he wants to get a gun what does he ask for instead do they have stamps and a pen very good <laughs> very good so question five last uh, final question how many people does Dwight kill in the film Dwight kills four people Kills Count them, Teddy, them and then the t- Are you sure? No, sorry, not Teddy. Um, Wade. Yeah. Um, and then he kills the the. I'm guessing the other brother, another brother or yeah. brother-in-law, and then his uh, the Wade Senior's sisters. They're, they're not really yeah. identified who they are. You just know they're family members, aren't they? They're part of that family. Yeah, well done, well done for not falling into the trap of five because obviously he doesn't really no, kill he Teddy. No, he doesn't. Um, just has parts. Although I must admit, good. when he shot, when the woman reaches down to get the gun underneath the Tech Nine under the um, under the armchair, it does kind of mm. look as if she shoots her sister. <laughs> she runs towards it's a shit show, isn't it? It all just goes to goes to pot. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, Friendly fire. Yeah. But yeah, I think you're right there. Yeah, fantastic. Well done. All right, good. Four out of five. Well done. I think. Did you get them all? Five out of five. What was the f- no, I don't think I got the first. I didn't know the first one, did I? I think you gave him the first oh, one. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Oh no. I oh, I knew everything yeah, yeah. but what she said. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's fair. That's fair. Oh, in fact, sorry. No, you didn't know. You didn't know the. You knew it was 1993 that he went to prison, but you didn't. Oh know yeah, I didn't know the second part of it. Damn. Oh well. Exams are cancelled this year, so I won't have to worry. We'll have to postpone that until November or something. Um, good. Well, that's great. Hugh, what film are we going to watch next week? So, next week, we are going to watch the 2010 film starring Christian Bale and Mark Wahlberg and Amy Adams in The Fighter, because um, Sam's not the seen fighter. it. Um, yeah, another Amy Adams film that we're going to cover. Yeah, um, and it's. I enjoyed it when I saw it. Do you know much about it, Sam? Uh, not really. I think... Things that I might know about it, I'm also confusing with the what's the Tom Hardy film? Warrior, um, Warrior, yeah. and maybe even Southport. So anything I do know about it, I think maybe Christian Bale and Mark Wahlberg are probably brothers, but that might be Warrior I'm thinking of. Um, and he comes back for one it, last fight. Or so. I really don't know anything about it, yeah. as you can tell. So I, they are both brothers in both I, films. So you were right. right that's another thing. I, I like you know I like the cast. Um, I'm sort of sometimes I really like Mark Wahlberg. Sometimes. I just think this is not the, the actor for me. Uh, but Christine Bale, a massive fan of an idiot. Amy Adams, obviously, she's brilliant. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. I've not seen many boxing films. It's not a big area of interest for me. But if it's more about you know masculinity or whatever, then I'll, I'll be I'll be well into it. Fair but have you seen it? I've seen it. Uh, I've seen it once when it first came. I think it won won an Oscar. Didn't it win the Oscar? Rings a bell. Could have yeah. done, couldn't it? I think da- it won something, yeah. didn't it? We'll have a look da- at that next week. As long as David O. By the time I think Christian Bale yeah. won. For, yeah, is he David David O. Russell directs it, isn't he? He's he's pretty solid director. I think he was David O. Russell. He did, uh, David Russell. He did American sorry. Hustle and Three Kings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a solid film. Yeah, it's good. I, I do like Marky Mark. I think he's uh, obviously he's done 
some some pretty bad films, but yeah, he's a <laughs> yeah, he's David O. Russell, you're right. Yeah, Christian Bale's yeah. always uh, always up for a watch. Yeah, I think you'll enjoy it, Sam. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. I certainly am. Uh, Hugh, if they want to get in touch with us and um, you know tell us our f- their favourite soap operas, uh, what how can they do that? So they can write into um, Reader's Digest. <laughs> they might have a section in that. I don't know, Pete, does Reader Digest do soaps? Or uh, Radio Times or something like that? Or what's Grazia? Is it Grazia? <laughs> Grazia. Or, uh, yeah, something like that. That's how they can get in touch with us. What if right through those channels yep. in the 90s? All right, yeah, yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, is there an email option for the technologically minded? Do you think there's an email option? <laughs> ben, is there an email option? I'm pretty sure there's an email option. Well, if they want to get in touch with us by email, they can at pleasewatchthis.pod at gmail.com. Fantastic. You can also get in touch with them on Twitter. We are at pleasewatchpod. Um, and a couple of other things, but they're, they're the main ones. Email us, tweet us, yeah. and so on. It leads me now to thank Ben. Thank you, Ben. Once again, gracing us with his presence. Don't mention remotely, it. I should add. I've not got much to do uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming. I wasn't going out tonight. We're going to be releasing 10 episodes a day now with uh, much much time on our hands. Yeah. I'll probably be on a lot more. <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> well, I mean, unless right. you get coronavirus. And, you know, not with anybody else's fingers, yeah. <laughs> All right, great stuff. Well, and again, it now leads me to say, uh, listener, thanks. We love you, and uh, we'll talk at you next time. Take care. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.